Welcome back to Quick Hits. I'm Anna Witte, and we're going to continue our series with the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. And I am joined by the Associate AD of Compliance, as well as the advisor for SAC. Her name is Lisa Gilmore. And Lisa joined Charleston Southern um, in the summer of 2019. So I'm just excited to hear about how you've enjoyed the school so far, and you hold multiple roles at the university. So um, like I said, how have you enjoyed your time in Charleston this past year? It's been, it's been great. Obviously, um, COVID kind of threw us all for a whirl back in March. So that's definitely a new experience, no matter whether you've been at a school for a year or 20 years. It, it brings a whole new depth of experience to your interactions across campus. But it's been a, uh, a lot of fun just kind of getting to know our campus, our culture, um, our faculty and staff across campus and those campus peers that we have. Um, as well as getting to know some of our students, obviously, and our coaches, uh, and cheering on the Bucks at all the contests that we had last year. So that's been a lot of fun, and I love uh, blue and gold. So it's always nice when you have a color palette that complements your complexion. So there you go. That's never very underestimate important. the fashion statement that that brings. Yes, that's very important when you choose a school for sure. Um, but for a lot of people who don't know exactly what compliance is, I mean, I personally think it's super important to any university. Um, can you just explain in that specific role what you do for Charleston Southern? Yeah, um, for people who don't know, compliance is ultimately just making sure that we're following the rules. Um, athletic departments have a lot of rules they have to follow because obviously we have to work within the guidelines and parameters that the university has for us, and that every university has, your business office policies, HR, all that kind of stuff. So we have to work within that framework. Um, we're also members of the Big South Conference and the Big South Conference has its own rules with, uh, how you handle a game day experience with what the compliance measures are for a basketball hoop, um, all sorts of different levels of rules that go along with the Big South. So we have to make sure that we're following all of those rules. Um, and then the NCAA has its own rules as well for divisions one, two, and three. So we work within the 400 plus page manual of the division one legislation to ensure that we're following the rules and we're also providing education for our coaches, our students, and our fans and boosters and campus partners to make sure that they're aware of the rules that apply to them and make sure that they're following those rules that don't jeopardize our eligibility of our student athletes as well as our competitive experience. So lots of rules, lots of layers, um, and lots of little you know, check boxes that we have to keep track of. Right. A ton of rules, clearly. But then you, t you put on COVID-19 and all of what happened back in March. Um, how has your role really changed since COVID hit in March? Um, my work days have gotten a lot longer. <laughs> um, it's one thing to be able to answer questions like if a coach or an administrator comes up and says, hey, is this permissible? Can we do this or can we do that? Usually there's a rule or an interpretation that's been put out there to provide guidance about how to execute that. When COVID hit, it really threw a lot of stuff out the window and your traditional answers got completely disheveled. So then we were um, 
not scrambling necessarily, but we were doing a lot more research about the NCAA does provide some flexibility when it comes to the health, safety, and welfare of student athletes to ensure that we're always doing something that's going to that's never gonna put the student in jeopardy. So if there's any emergency situation, they give us the flexibility to deal with those emergencies to help the student um, with whatever that might, that case might need. Um, but when it comes to other things then that the legislation didn't cover as far as COVID concerns, then that's when uh, we were looking at what our peer institutions were doing, what our conference determined, reaching out to the NCAA to see about getting clarification because that standard rule book just didn't always have the answers for what applied. And when you've got 17 or 16 sports that are all asking questions and head coaches that are all trying to figure out how different things apply to their students and then students reaching out asking, what does this mean for me? It meant a lot of phone calls, a lot of texts, a lot of emails, a lot of Zoom meetings, because you always want to provide the answers uh, and support where you can. So there were a lot of late nights and early mornings just trying to, you know, solve all the problems or provide the guidance that we needed to. Right. And then we fast forward six months from March and now we have a postponed fall season um, and a lot of kind of unknowns in the future, I guess you could say. How has your role changed since? Because on top, like in your role as well, you need to make sure student athletes don't do anything that jeopardizes their potential to play um, on the court or on the field or whatever it may be. So what does that look like for you now with all these things and questions and another postponed season? Uh, I think most of the same start of the start of the year uh, requirements stay the same. So we don't, we still have the same rules. Students can't jeopardize their eligibility um, regarding their amateurism. You know, the same kind of things apply. They can't sign with an agent. Um, they can't play for profit or endorse certain products uh, without, you know, running that through us. So some of those rules are, have definitely stayed the same. There's also the same considerations for financial aid and everything else that kind of governs the students' day-to-day -day activities. Um, there have been just some other uh, determinations and changes based off of just COVID itself. Even though the NCAA may say something is permissible, so it doesn't really impact our office and what, what can be done, it's more we're helping our athletic trainers kind of navigate what the health and safety protocols are. Because again, that doesn't fall within the NCAA compliance legislature necessarily, but there are still considerations for how quickly we return students to play at what rate, not wanting to put them in jeopardy if they haven't been working out as regularly because of the abrupt halt of the spring semester, you know, returning them to the condition of being a competitive D1 athlete to minimize risk and injury. So um, we played a big supportive role for our athletic trainers in getting the documentation from the conference and from the NCAA office um, and kind of navigating that through all the different channels that needed to approve those things for returning students to play and how that impacts our campus. Um, and you'll see lots of different schools handle that differently just based off of their own facilities and staffing. Some of the bigger schools that have multiple weight rooms and multiple facilities um, will be able to onboard and work their students through that process differently. Whereas on our campus, we do have the one main weight room and that's a shared facility. So um, it might take our programs a little bit longer to get through those phases since there's so much cleaning and sanitization that has to happen in between each different set. So just kind of working through all the kinks of that, we are definitely 
uh, team, a team spirited program. So we're all helping each other, even if it might be a bit out of our scope. Right. Wow. There's a lot of things that have to happen before they can just get back in the weight room, which don't really think about um, normally, but COVID changes things, I guess. But heading into a different role that you have, you are the advisor at SAC. And since it's mostly a student-run committee, what is your role as an advisor? Um, I really try to take the back seat as much as possible. <laughs> it, it's supposed to be the student-athlete vo student voice, student-led, student-run. Um, so I just try to kind of provide guidance and, and steer them. Uh, so they're the ones who really take charge on a lot of these things. Um, because I've been involved in the athletic community for as long as I have, I've, no, I've seen different trends of things that have happened, things that have worked, ways to get involved and engaged. Um, so I'll let students know uh, about what options are out there. And then it's really up to them if that's something that they're passionate about, something they're interested in, if they want to continue with that and do some research on it and work through it and make that happen on our campus, then I help them and support them. Um, and if it's something that they're not really into, then we move on and find something else. And I encourage them to really find what really speaks to them, what they're passionate about, what they want to see happen on their campus. And because I am an administrator, I can help them navigate through some of the paperwork and budget limitations and those kind of things. So, so we can see how we can get their ultimate end goal uh, within the framework of how that works at our university. Um, so that's, that's just kind of what I do. If they have an idea, then I just kind of work within the bureaucracy to make it happen for them. What's an example of something that you've seen other schools maybe do, or even Charleston Southern that you think has been really successful in the past? Um, something we did a virtual 5k over the summer, which was, I think, a lot of fun. Um, it helped raise awareness of the of racial inequity. And we kind of spotlighted some of the local charities and nonprofits in our community that also um, support uh, those kind of marginalized communities and provide support to them. So it was a 5k that didn't cost anything to to participate in. You just kind of posted it on your social media and gave a, you know, a hashtag or a shout out to those organizations to help raise awareness for them, um, hopefully raise some donations for them, um, and really kind of make sure that we were, we were engaging in the conversations about what was happening in our communities. Um, so that's something that, that was a lot of fun um, that didn't take a lot of uh, checks and balances of, you know, get collecting registration forms or insurance cards or, uh, or payments or anything like that, just something that people could do on their own. Um, so that was really great. And then it looks like one, I don't know it, like how it kind of played out, but now the Big South is also doing their own virtual 5K. Um, so it was nice that they kind of reached out to our SAC organization to kind of say, hey, how did you do this? And how did that work out for you? So um, just working in collaboration and maybe even inspiring the conference to do something kind of similar uh, has been really fun. And then I've seen all sorts of things where people are doing virtual blood drives. Um, so that might be something that we can do as well that students can kind of do on their own and then post on social media because I know that the blood donation situation has gone down since COVID has hit um, and helping where we can um, how we can is a, is a great way to to mobilize our students to take a more active uh, role in their community. 
So you've been involved in SAC and not only at Charleston Southern, but at another university as well. Why do you think this committee is so important um, for an athletic department to have? Uh, the student athlete voice is hugely important, um, like at all different levels at the university, at the conference and at the national level. Um, I was actually able at one of my previous universities to work with the student athlete who ended up being the national SAC president who ended up serving on as the first student athlete on the board at the NCAA. So the student voice really got amplified a lot within the last like 10 years and it's only be getting louder. So this is a time when student athletes can really talk about their, the impact that they can have on not just their sport, but the entire athletic program and their campus and community. So it's important that some students, uh, and it's easy to just get kind of uh, tunnel vision a little on the classes that you have to complete this semester, your homework that's due the next day, your paper that's due at the end of the week, and then also kind of get sucked into the, you know, I've got practice at three, I've got a game on Saturday. And in that kind of routine, uh, it can get be easy to kind of just focus on those little details and kind of lose sight of some of the big picture semester wide, um, you know, lifetime situations and the impact that you can have by stepping out of those day to day uh, tasks and responsibilities um, and taking the time to get involved in community organizations and campus organizations and SAC is a great way to kind of keep in line with the passions that student athletes already have for their sport, um, but use their voice uh, to communicate their experience, their expectations and their concerns to the athletic administration that as an administrator and not being somebody who's at practice all the time or in the weight room with them uh, to know what their experience is and how we can improve that or even change it in the future for student athletes that come after them. So for fans and people who are listening to this that, you know, don't work at Charleston Southern, aren't athletes at Charleston Southern, but want to help out SAC and want to um, be involved in the organizations or the things that they put on, what would you say their best advice to how should they support them best? Um, I think always being a fan and cheering them on at any competition is a great help. There are some social media outlets. They do have a, a Bucksack Twitter account, a Bucksack Instagram. Uh, so whenever there's a social media campaign or whenever our student athletes are doing anything and they're posting it in those platforms, um, liking it, retweeting it or reposting it definitely helps get that get the word out um, and then when it comes to things like if we do another virtual 5k or a virtual blood donation or anything like that in the future if fans or boosters or uh, just the community want to get involved and participate in those events and then you know tag uh, tag those social media accounts as well then that's a great way to show that you know our voice is being heard and they're and they're be, they're contributing and they're supporting those initiatives as well so it's not just our student athletes carrying the mantle themselves but our community is supporting that also yeah and i got a chance to speak with the vice president and the and the president earlier this week and they just talked about all of the great things that they have coming um this year so i think a lot of the fans will be excited about how they can also support them 
also off the field. Um, but to talk about another role that you hold at Charleston Southern, you are the senior woman administrator for athletics and um, you help promote meaningful representation of female student athletes in leadership and re representation, which is how I read it online. But so how have you been implementing that at Charleston Southern? And, and also what does that role look like for you? Um, it's always a little different at every university. Um, the NCAA has made this uh, a required role that every, not just division one, like every division at the NCAA have to have a senior women administrator. And that is a female that is also involved in the decision-making process at the athletic department to help make sure that there is a title IX gender equity uh, across the whole athletic department. Um, so that is like, I just bring the female voice into the conversation when it comes time to have discussions about um, maybe it could be about a travel policy or um, how many shoes are getting ordered. It could be any number of things, but how the weight room is being scheduled where I can contribute and just kind of be that voice and say, hey, maybe we need to make sure that, you know, our female sports get a little more access in the afternoons and not just the mornings. Or have we talked to some of the coaches of these programs to see, to get feedback about if this works for you know, for their programs. Um, so I just kind of bring that female perspective to the conversation and uh, advocate for our female athletes and our male athletes too, because you know, sometimes it's not just based off of gender, but I look out for all of student athlete welfare. And sometimes it breaks down to making sure that we're giving the, the female athletes uh, their, their voice as well, but making sure that everybody gets equal access, gets equal coverage, gets, uh, and has equity across the board. And that's really what Title IX is about, is about providing equity across genders. So we're not, we're not uh, de-escalating one to promote the other, but we're making sure that everybody gets support, coverage, um, acknowledgements um, all, over, uh, all over our department. So that's what I try to do. Would you say a lot of the coaches and the student athletes in general do a really good job of uplifting one another and supporting each other at events? Is that something you see a lot of? Yeah, I think we didn't get much of it this spring because our spring was cut off, but um, uh, our athletes really, they do, they have their own little community. So you'll see at soccer games, you'll see softball, baseball, track athletes, everybody's out there kind of cheering on their friends. It's a really tight-knit community um, within each team and then within the athletic department as a whole because uh, they do see each other in the weight room. They do pass by each other from one locker room to another and they hang out in the dorms together. So it is a big buck family that we have and they're all really supportive of each other and really encouraging of each other. So when one team has a great success, um, they're all really cheering for them and it's not uh, they're competitive because they want to, they all want to win and have great successes on their own programs. So that's also, I think a little internal motivation, like, oh man, football won this weekend. So we, we have to really like turn it up and make sure that we win too, because they're competitors at heart and they want to, they want to keep that momentum going. 
Right. And I think also SAC is a great place for them to just get to know each other and learn from each other's, you know, locker room experiences, quote unquote, what works for them and what doesn't, um, and just learn from each other that way. But that's really cool to hear from your perspective. Um, but sadly, fall sports have been postponed. Um, We're obviously hoping and expecting for things to return and when it comes to winter sports. But for you personally, what are you looking forward to the most when sports do actually return? Um, I think uh, baby steps for me, I will just be happy when they can actually, you know, resume a, a traditional practice schedule. Mm-hmm. I know things have been kind of slipping back to, you know, reduced hours each week. Um, so I'll just be happy when I can actually, you know, hear the music out on the field and go out and see them practicing and, and coming together. That's something that I just enjoy doing. I love going to games too, but sometimes the, um, the more casual, environment that happens in a practice is is a lot of fun to see them uh, just kind of engaging with each other chatting with each other hearing some of the jokes that they tell each other on the sidelines um, that just that just warms my heart I love seeing that kind of uh, that family feeling that they have well that kind of rolls into my next question to um, working with collegiate athletes is completely different from working with professional athletes I feel like you know, their youthfulness is kind of fun and they have, I feel like more fun because they're just less professional. Um, but what's your favorite part about working with student athletes specifically? I really enjoy watching their growth journey. They're so much of them develops with who they become between when they're 18 and when they leave when they're 22 or 23. So it's so fulfilling and rewarding kind of watching them find themselves while they're in college and some things that you tell them when they're freshmen and sophomores they may struggle with but then you can kind of see things click in and their junior and senior year they're like i remember you telling me this this makes so much sense now so kind of watching them kind of come into their own and make those decisions about like who they're going to be um as people and what their their own little internal uh morals and goals are and that's just really rewarding just watching that develop in them over the time um and then of course just seeing their friendships grow it's so fun when you can kind of see it's like you isolate maybe it's like oh these are the tennis players and these are the baseball players but it's so neat sometimes when you go to a match and you see oh hey this is a golfer here and then you realize oh they're dating that's that's why he's always at the tennis matches and just kind of seeing those relationships kind of spark across the department um, and how they love each other and support each other so much. So that's always kind of fun too, to get that little kind of behind the scenes peek at their relationships and encourage them on, on maintaining those, those fun things for college. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time today. Um, It was fun to learn more about what you do. So thank you for what you do, because you have a lot on your plate, it sounds like, all the time. But I look forward to when we can see each other again in person with sports back on the field. And um, I'm sure we will chat soon. Thank you so much, Anna. I appreciate it.